0: we're back this is the detroiter i am your host nick bradley we are presented by the second string thesecondstring.com Close, cool stuff all that shit. check it out thesecondstring.com we're back took last week off a little bit of a hiatus no reason in particular just kind of felt i don't know there wasn't a whole lot going on i mean all we've had really the pistons lottery uh the red wings lottery The Tigers being the Tigers. I almost threw up. I think I may have swallowed a little bit. And then the Lions, we're just kind of waiting for the good stuff. We're waiting for hard knocks. We're waiting for Dan Campbell to make his silver screen debut. We're waiting for OTAs. Um, We're waiting for potentially, potentially a couple offseason moves. You never do know. Brad Holmes, that guy's a bit of a madman. You never do know. And we're just waiting for the season to start. These are, we haven't quite hit the dog days. Obviously got NBA finals on. We got the Stanley Cup going. Haven't quite hit the dog days. But as far as Detroit goes, as far as anything involving the postseason and the playoffs and fun times and the reason we're all sports fans to begin with, we most certainly have hit the dog days. We are deep inside the dog days. I mean, it doesn't get more dog than these days, especially when the Tigers are, I don't know, 14 and 28. 14 and 28. 14. One four and then two eight. So double the number for mathematicians across the world. That would be double the number of losses as there are wins. That's uh that's not good. Um, that's not good. That's not good in sports, that's not good in life and business and accounting. I don't care. Grocery store clerks literally doesn't matter when your losses are double the wins. It's not very good. Certainly not when you were promised, oh, this is the year. Things will remove themselves from that. This is the year we leave that life behind and we go on to greener pastures. Turns out that green, it was just spray painted green. Those pastures are also total manure. Those pastures are also completely poisoned. They will kill your herd of sheep if you take them to graze those pastures. That's where we're at with the Detroit Tigers. Like it, love it, leave it. So we're going to leave it. I don't want to talk about the Tigers today. You know how I get If you've been around long enough, you've listened to a few podcasts, you've been on the YouTube, you've been following on TikTok, whatever it is, you know how I get when it's time to talk about the Detroit Tigers. You know how I get when it's time to talk about the Detroit Tigers and this season. (laughs) And you know how I get when it's time to talk about the Detroit Tigers and this season from the expectations we had coming into the season. Like I still remember when I was Bambi. I still remember a spry young buck walking across ice and my legs going everywhere. They made a cute little cartoon Pixar movie about me. My mom got shot by some mean hunters. I remember those days. I remember when I didn't know anything about the world, when I didn't know anything about this baseball season. I remember tuning in opening day and Javi Baez hitting that one deep to right center. Did he catch it? Did it hit the wall first? It hit the wall first walk off. Tigers win 1-0. This year will be different. This year is going to be different. I remember those days. I do. Um, So I choose not to talk about it. I I just, uh, I said a while ago, maybe two, three weeks, that I wasn't going to talk about the Tigers anywhere. Not a TikTok about them, not a podcast about them, nothing about them until there was something positive to talk about. They won today, 4-2. Harold Castro, a couple dingers. Jamer, a two-run bomb in the top of the 10th. That ended up being the winning runs. It's fine. Like, that's cool. They won one game. They won a game, oh, oh, they won a game. They lost the two before that, though. And until they don't lose the next two, I just still have nothing to say, right? There is nothing positive to say. you're a professional baseball team, you should win a game here and there. The problem is winning a game here and there isn't the fucking reason we're all here to begin with. Winning a game here or there isn't the reason we were all gassed up this offseason talking about Carlos Correa, getting pumped up when Javi Baez signed here. Winning a game or two? Winning a game or two isn't the reason Mike Illich, don't use his name in vain, passed on a few years ago and and gave the Tigers to Chris. Winning a game or two isn't what Detroit's about. Um, That's not going to get me fired up in a good way. Winning a game or two actually makes me more upset that it's now, oh, we should talk about the positive things that happened around the Detroit Tigers when that positive thing is winning a game or two, dude. When your 12-year-old kid takes his bike to ride out to his friend's house. You don't go, yeah, Jimmy. Yeah, good good work, Jim. You remembered how to ride the bike. You don't do that because he learned that shit when he was six. You don't applaud your parents every time. Although maybe we should. Maybe we should. That's a bad example. You don't applaud your dog every time he shits outside because guess what? The first couple times when he was a puppy and he shat outside, you gave him the treat, you gave him a pat on the ass, and you said, good job, Toby. You're starting to learn how this whole potty training thing works. Now he's six years old. That's what, 42 in dog years? You don't give him a treat every time he shits because he should be shitting in the lawn, not on the carpet in front of the television, in the lawn next to the birdhouse. That's how it should be. So the Detroit Tigers, when they eat their dinner once, they eat their broccoli once every week, We're not going to give them a hand because you're a grown-up. You're a 17-year-old kid. You're on the football team. You're still going to complain when it's time to eat your peas and carrots. That's bullshit. You should eat your peas and carrots without any attention, without any fanfare, without, oh, let's talk. The Tigers won. Let's talk and be positive and be happy. So, no, no, I'm not going to talk about the Detroit Tigers, even though I just did. I'm not going to go into them any further because I don't want to. You don't want me to. I'm, frankly, outside of Chris Castellani, God bless his heart. I mean, that guy truly is unbelievable what he's able to do. Like we talk a lot, not we personally, but we on the internet people society today, we talk a lot about the whole mind over matter thing. We talk a lot about, oh, positive thoughts. Like you just got to train yourself. Get up, do it, take action, motivation. Like your mind is stronger than you think. Cold plunge, hit the sauna. We talk a lot about that shit, which is great. That's awesome. What we don't talk about enough is Chris Castellani, is going to get himself to watch the Detroit Tigers 162 times today. Or this year. 162. What? That's almost half a year. He's going to spend almost half of his year sitting down and watching that baseball team. We talk, David Goggins, Marine, Navy SEAL, whatever he did. These people rehabbing from addiction. That's awesome. That's incredible as well in, in their own right. This guy is going to spend half of his year watching the Detroit Tigers be the worst team in baseball, not for the first year, not for the second year, for like the seventh year in a row, eighth year in a row, he's going to dedicate half a year to watching the most pathetic club in major league baseball. That when we talk about mind over matter and we talk about the human mind and what it can achieve. If you think right and you train your brain, when we talk about that, can we bring Chris Castellani into the conversation? Because honest to God, I haven't been able to get myself to watch nine innings of the Tigers since maybe the third week of the season. Maybe. Maybe. And that's being generous. I don't know if I've done it in the month of May yet. I don't know if I've spent one day in the month of May and said, "Yeah, I'll watch the entire Tigers game. I tuned in for a couple innings. I watched the ninth and the tenth today. That was fine. Like, I'll whatever. I'll follow along the score. I'm at work. I mean, I'm at work. What am I going to do? Not follow along with the score. But to sit down and watch nine innings of this club and then do it again the next day? and then do it again the next day, and then do it again the day after that. I don't know what medals, how you earn congressional medals of honor, normal medals of honor, Purple Hearts, um, number one in the race, fucking banner trophies, whatever you want to call them. I don't know how you earn any of those, a Pulitzer Prize, but Chris Castellani, that guy, he deserves something. Like, he should win an Ironman trophy without having to bike and swim and run. He should just – oh, you watched it. You Hang on, Jim, I'm hearing that we got a kid from Lansing, Michigan – Who watched every single Detroit Tigers baseball game this year? We gotta let's fly him out. Good morning America. Let's put him through the ringer. We'll we'll send him to the White House. Let's get this guy in front of everybody. Let's get him a book deal. We'll have him on Joe Rogan's podcast talking about the power of the mind. I mean, honestly, that's the level Chris Castellani's at. Like, how do you? I don't how how does he do it? It's incredible. So if you want painstaking Tigers coverage, if you want to follow along the hottest dumpster fire in sports. He's the guy. Right now, I'm not. Uh, All plain and simple, I'm not. I want to be that guy. You guys saw me if you were here at the beginning of the season. I want to be that guy. I want to come on fired up. The Tigers just took two or three from the Twins. We're only a game back at the White Sox. I wish that was my life, dude. (laughs) I wish. I wish I woke up today and was like, fuck yeah. Tigers are on a roll. We're three games above 500. We're right on the White Sox heels. This is awesome. We're like, this is what we all talked about for so long. This is what we dreamed about. We're finally here. Nope. Nope. Um, Just nope. That's just not the case at all. So, you know what? I'm not going to talk about it. Fair? Fair. In the meantime, what we do have to talk about. We got the Pistons draft lottery. We got the Red Wings draft lottery. We have the Lions in the offseason, Michigan, Michigan State football in the offseason, basketball as well. We'll probably leave the college teams aside today, just not a whole lot going on. I do keep saying it, and I do need to do it one time. Maybe last week would have been the week because we didn't have an episode because I kind of felt, what's the use? There's not really a whole lot going on, at least positively, things that people want to hear about, things that I want to talk about. So we are probably due for like the Michigan, Michigan State, football season recap, and just, I guess, off-season vibes episode. How are we feeling about Michigan football? Like, where, where is the general audience at when it comes to them, what they did last year? You know, it's positive. College football playoff, Big Ten champs. Couldn't be more positive than that considering the last 20 years, considering what the Harbaugh era has been up to that point. Going forward, you would think the same for Michigan. Positive vibes only. They still recruit well. They got Harbaugh coming back. They got their quarterbacks. A lot of good pieces. No Hutch, no Ajabo, of course. But, uh, you know, you got to believe that they'll refill. You look at Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia. Those guys, they lose people every year. They lose players every year. Georgia had like nine first-round draft picks. That's fucking insane. That's ridiculous that that's even a statistic. And they'll be right back next year. So you would imagine the feeling around U of M has to be great. Michigan State, the same. 11-2 11-2 and two last year in a season that was supposed to be horrendous. Kenneth Walker bursting onto the scene, second running back taken in this draft, underrated. Huge mistake. He's going to prove people wrong. I think he's – listen, listen, Homer aside, I think Kenneth Walker is going to be a top five running back in the NFL this season. No bull. No bull, no bias. I honest to God think he has that kind of talent. He's a guy where you just give him the ball, give him like half a yard of room, half a yard. It could be in the backfield. It could be downfield. It could be at the line. Give him the ball. Give him fucking six inches, six inch ribbon curls, six inches. Give him six inches to operate in and he will make people miss. He will leave jock straps on the turf. He will think he's going one way and, oh, uh oh, he actually went the other for five more yards. He's going to be electrifying. I think Seattle may have had the steal in the draft with him. Sucks that they don't have a quarterback. Sucks they don't really have a defense. It sucks that they're going to be terrible because unlike college, a running back can't really carry an entire team in the NFL, at least to prominence, at least to playoff wins and Super Bowls. But I do think he's going to be electrifying. He was awesome at MSU this year, obviously. 11-2, beat Michigan, Peach Bowl champs. Incredible season for State. Peyton Thorne's coming back. Mel Tucker's recruiting unlike anything we've ever seen at this university. That's a fact. That's just a fact. People get upset. Oh, my God. Oh, what's Mel done? He had a top 23 class. Just look at the people that are coming to campus this summer. Look at the people that were at campus for the spring game. There were numerous five-stars. Numer- not one guy who grew up in Southfield. Numerous five-star recruits from Texas, from Louisiana, from Georgia, who are now visiting East Lansing, who have Michigan State in their top five, who are enamored by Brandon Jordan and Mel Tucker and what we're building in, in Michigan in East Lansing. That's happening. That's just a fact. Something that never happened with D'Antonio. Mel, as well as he's recruited in his short time here. Obviously hasn't reached those heights, hasn't landed a five-star recruit. I do believe this class will be his first five-star recruit, if not multiple. The feeling is more of the same at Michigan State. Yeah, it's tough that they don't have Kenneth Walker coming back. But they do have the guy who found Kenneth Walker. They do have a couple more transfers, right? They got Jalen Berger from Wisconsin. They have Jarek Broussard from Colorado. They have guys coming in who they believe can fill the void. There are guys in house. Davion Prim, his name gets thrown around like a flapjack. Oh, watch out for Davion Prim. He might be, uh oh, people aren't, don't sleep on Davion. They have playmakers returning. Jaden Reed is an animal. He's going to be one of the best receivers in the country. No more Naylor with church. Trey Mosley is seasoned. He's a good player. Keon Coleman is poised to break out. I mean, he's a point guard that plays wide receiver. Just throw that shit up to him and let him go get it. The guy can throw it on a windmill. You think he can't win a jump all over a 5'11 corner? Come on now. Throw it up to him. They got tight ends. They got the guy. What's his name? What's his name? Daniel Barker from Illinois. They have Michael Masunas, the freshman, coming in. They have threats at tight end. They have the offensive line's weak. The, The offensive line's weak. I'll admit it. I'll be the first to say it but they have Chris Kapilovich heading that front, coaching those boys up. I have faith in him because you know why? Mel Tucker has faith in him. Mel Tucker has faith in the guy. Who the fuck am I to not have faith in him? The defense, we're adding Aaron Brulé, Jacoby Woodman in the linebacking core. The entire defensive line returns. They should be some of the best, if not the best position group on the team this year. And when you have a good D line, usually you have a good defense. The secondary should improve. Everybody's coming back. You're adding uh, Amir Speed. From Georgia, Xavier Henderson returned. Angelo Gross will be back there. You're bringing in freshmen like Jaden Mangham, who are just electrifying athletes. The secondary should be better. Everything about this team, both teams in the state of Michigan, you had a great season last year. Lots to be happy about. Lots to be proud about. Both left a little meat on the bone. Michigan State left a little bit more than Michigan. It's hard. It's hard. It's hard to look at that and not feel confident coming into this season about what both programs can do. But we'll save the full in-depth deep dive for another day. I do want to do it, though, because I think people can tell. I certainly can feel it within myself. When I talk college football, it fires me up more than anything. I love Michigan State football more than anything. Maybe not the Detroit Lions, but it's 1A, one 1B. One one I love just college football as a whole. I love the idea, the fanfare. The rankings, the players, I don't know. I don't know what it is. The tailgates, the atmosphere, Brent Musburger, Kirk Herbstreit, the fight songs, the jerseys, everything about college football, I really am in love with. I love the fact, and I think I've been reinvigorated by the fact that now my program, Michigan State, we have a guy in Mel Tucker that I believe in, that I think can bring this program to incredible heights. That has already proved he will be successful here and he can be successful here. It's like reinvigorated my love for the sport because as everybody knows, and I'm sure most Michigan State fans feel this way, by the end of that D'Antonio era where it's nothing's changing, we're going seven and six, rinse, fucking, repeat. Lost its luster. I wasn't getting geeked up for September to roll around because what was I supposed to be excited for? To go seven and six again and bring in the forty second overall class in the country. We're Michigan State. He won a Big Ten championship here, multiple. He went to the College Football Playoff here. He won a Rose Bowl here. This is Michigan State. We have history. We have culture. We have ties all across the globe. It is Michigan State. I'm not going to get fired up for seven and six and the fucking pinstripe bullet at empty Yankee Stadium. That's just not going to cut it. So now that we have a guy like Mel, there is this new energy and new life force within the program. I've never been happier and I've never been more excited to talk and watch and be a part of a college football season. I think this podcast, it's been steadily growing. The TikTok, the following, the audience, the community we've built, you guys have built, has been slowly, steadily growing. But I'll tell you what. When this college football season rolls around, I honest to god think this place is going to explode because we're going to have Michigan, we're going to have Michigan State winning games, having expectation, fans excited. I really, I genuinely do believe this fall is going to be where this thing, this like hobby, project, side gig I'm doing now, this podcast that you guys enjoy, that oh this kid just makes him out of his apartment. I do believe this fall it's going to become something unbelievable. It's going to fuck it. It's going to become a monster. I can't keep on the leash and I can't wait for it. And that goes hand in hand with both the programs. So with that out of the way, I think I'm going to take a quick break. And on the flip side, we'll talk a little bit. We'll talk the Pistons lottery, who they're looking at, the thoughts around it. We'll talk the Red Wings a little bit. Again, not a whole lot to get into. Nothing's really happened other than the Pistons getting the fifth pick. Other than the Red Wings, I think, were they also, the, or seventh pick, eighth pick? I can't even remember where the Red Wings are. And the Lions offseason, there's not a whole lot to dig into. I do just, I do this a lot on this podcast because, regrettably, there's not a whole lot going on. There's not a whole lot positive on the field, on the court to talk about. I just want to talk about the feeling of uh, around the city, around Detroit sports, around the Pistons. Around the Red Wings, even though shit hasn't really gone our way, even though we didn't win that second lottery in a row, even though we're not going to Cade with one of these guaranteed superstars in Chet, Jabari, or Paolo, most likely, unless, uh, or no, we got the fourth pick? Fifth pick. Yeah, we have the fifth pick. Unless uh, Sacramento fucks up, which that's like a 50-50 chance. The Red Wings, we're not going to get Shane Wright. Right? I still, there is still good things happening. And I was bummed out just like you. How couldn't you be? You're not a true fan if you didn't see the first. You saw, you're not a true fan if you saw us missing out on the first pick and weren't a little bit bummed out. I was a little bummed out. Red Wings, too. Now they weren't slotted to get the number one pick, but you know, Gary Bettman, throw us a bone. We haven't had the first overall pick. We'd never even move up in the draft. You never know. Big market, winged wheel, original six. If you weren't a little bummed out, you're lying to yourself. But that, that, in hand, that taken in. I've had a few weeks to process. There still is great things. I I genuinely, I genuinely believe it. I know it's hard to swallow because the Pistons, we had that great thing happen. We got Cade and they're still the worst team in the NBA. The Red Wings have had that great thing. We got Mo Sider, we got Lucas Raymond. Both of them were awesome in their rookie years and the whole thing came to a fucking nosedive by the end of the season. Things that look promising and should be promising and we've been telling ourselves and we've been told will be promising, haven't quite panned out yet. I just don't want to lose faith. I don't want to let that feeling go, let the the sight of what we have ahead of us go. Tampa Bay looks like a wagon in the Stanley Cup Finals now. Don't forget who built that team. Don't forget that Steve Iserman is the, the mad hatter behind this team chasing their third consecutive Stanley Cup. Don't forget that. I know it hasn't gone our way. I know they stunk this year. Don't forget that. I know they probably won't even be great next year. We have the guy. Troy Weaver, the Pistons. They weren't great this year. He did find Sadiq Bey. He did find Isaiah Stewart. He did take Cade. He is doing positive things. Things are getting better. We have, I'm reading columns on the internet. I've never seen a a team like the Detroit Pistons that want to work as hard as they do in the summertime. It's the worst team in the NBA there. They're not pushing for the trophy. They're not pushing to crack the conference finals. These guys are pushing to not be the worst team in the NBA. And there are league executives saying, I've never seen a team want to work harder. I've never seen a group of young guys want to dedicate their summer to getting better like this Detroit Spistons group. There are positive things. Good things are on the horizon and they will come to fruition. They will. I promise you. I promise you. I promise you they will. So we'll take a quick break and be right back all right we're back pistons lose out on the lottery tied for the first best odds fifth pick go figure how the how does that work nba nba lottery whoever came up with that system how do you have the first odds tied for the first odds and you end up with the fifth pick please explain please explain now I get it. We got Cade last year. We won. We have the franchise player. He's going to be an all-star. He may even fuck around and win an MVP in this league. I mean, when you watch Cade Cunningham play, like forget that even, dude. When I hear this guy talk, when I see how Cade Cunningham acts, I'm like, that dude is going places. That guy, Cade Cunningham could be running a Petco in suburban Dallas, Texas, and I'd be like, that guy's going to sell the most dog toys Petco's ever seen. That boy is gonna be peddling kibble like it's nobody's business. Coffee is for closers. That dude's gonna be pulling up in the Brinks truck full of coffee beans. Like when I hear Cade talk, um, how can you not be all in on him? So I get it. We got the Golden Goose. I understand if the NBA is salty about that if they don't want to reward Detroit too much. Ugh, so be it. But it does kind of mm, like fifth, fifth, fifth pick. We're tied. We're tied for the first. And I know we got Cade, and he's awesome. We still were fucking terrible last year. It's not like all our problems are solved. It's not like Cade brought us to the playoffs in year one. It's not like Cade put Detroit basketball back on the map. I mean, a little bit. He made him more relevant, made him bearable, if you could call it that, to watch. He made them somewhat enticing to follow. Like, he helped, and he will help, and they'll be better. Fifth pick? I don't know about all that, but we digress. We're still going to get an absolute stallion. It sucks that we're not going to get one of those bigs because you look at what Cade does in the pick and roll. The guy is hes a magician with it. He can get you the ball. He'll hit you in the corner for the three. He'll take it himself. Mid-range, three-point, to the rim. Whatever it is, he's got it. This dude's like Ratatouille with it. Would have been nice. Jabari Smith would have been nice, especially when you hear this Jabari Smith. Say what you will about him. He's the hardest worker in the room. He wants to be great. Oh. I know another guy that wants to be great and he wears number two. That would have been a match made in heaven. Chet Holmgren, this guy's a gazelle. He's seven foot two or whatever. He can shoot, he can handle, he can go to the rim. That would have been nice. Paolo Banchero, this dude is the Hulk. If the Hulk could play basketball, that would have been nice. We're still going to get an absolute stallion. And the beauty of it is, too, we don't just need one big man. We don't just need one guy to solve all of our problems. We'll find that big man. We'll find Cade's pick-and-roll partner of the future. We'll find the guy who turns Cade into an all-star, into an all-pro type player in the PNR. We could use a wing. Cade can use a shooting guard. There are plenty of things we can do here, and we'll have plenty of options. Sacramento's ahead of us. Knowing Sacramento, if they do what Sacramento does best, who knows? We might have our pick of the litter. Those guys are morons. And I hate to say it because Vladi Divac is a Serb legend with the Lakers, the 30 for 30 with him and uh, Drajan Petrovic, RIP. Unbelievable. I'm a Vladi guy, but damn, he's bad at being a general manager of a basketball team. It's not good. It's not good. We all know the Kings story with passing on guys. They took Halliburton, which was good. The first good move they've made in years and decades even. We're going to get Jaden Ivey. We're going to get Shadon Sharp. We're going to get Keegan Murray, potentially. We're going to get a guy who can play. We're going to get a guy who makes the Pistons better. We're going to get a guy who hopefully, knowing Troy Weaver and the culture they're trying to build, wants to be in Detroit, wants to bust ass, isn't even so much concerned about like being the man and having this crazy NBA career as much as they are fucking winning games, being a team player, doing whatever it takes. We're going to get a guy that fits the mold. Jaden Ivey's a freak. We can use a wing. He can shoot. He can defend. He's actually Usain Bolt in the fast break. He's an animal. Shadon Sharp, on the other hand, out of high school. Moved up the boards a ton at the end of his high school career, up to the number one player. Reclassified. Went to Kentucky. Didn't play at Kentucky. Apparently, he did a couple pro days, but stopped. Isn't doing the combine. Hasn't played team basketball in a while, apparently. Don't know what his deal is. I don't know if it's like, uh, hey, Shadon, you're going to get taken early. You're going to make millions. What's the point in playing at Kentucky and tearing your ACL or risking any type of injury or whatever malpractice? Not my business. I don't care. The guy can ball. Everybody I see who knows more about basketball than I do, who has seen him play, who has followed him, the guy can hoop. I've read things, too, about Shadon Sharp where it's like, Listen, this kid hasn't played in college. He doesn't have the same tape against the same competition as some of these other guys that are going to go top two, three, four. But this guy might be the best player in the draft. I don't care what you did in college, dude. I don't care what pick we take you at. Give me that guy. Give me that guy. If there's even an inkling in Troy Weaver's mind that Shadon Sharp could be the best player in this draft and he's there at five, take him, take him, take him. Because Kate Cunningham will make him fit the mold. Isaiah Stewart will make sure, Sadiq Bey, they'll make sure he gets in line. They'll make sure he's at workouts. They'll make sure he's getting up a 1,000 jump shots a day. They'll make sure he's in the ice bath. They'll make sure he's not at the Mickey D's drive-thru. They'll make sure he's shoveling chicken, broccoli, and rice down his throat three square meals a day. They will make sure. It'll all take care of itself. Just make the right pick. And it sucks. It sucks, right, that we don't have the number one pick. But there's still plenty of goodness ahead. You don't need the number one pick. We could look back how many drafts, right? How many drafts in the NBA? Steph Curry wasn't the number one pick. Luka wasn't the number one pick. How many of these guys that are playing in these games this weekend weren't the number one pick? Jason Tatum, he wasn't the number one pick. You don't need the number one pick. You just need the right guy to make the right pick. All signs to this point, everything we've seen point to Troy Weaver being that guy knowing what he's doing, having the gut feeling, having the right mind for the right guy. It's going to be okay. What we need, we need Troy to make the right pick, whether it's Ivy, Murray, whoever, I have faith. If it's up to me, I'd go Ivy, I'd go Sharp. Whichever one of those two is there and one of them will be there, you take him without even thinking twice. God God forbid one of the big men is there, you take one of them without thinking twice. Troy Weaver will make the right decision, and things will get better. Things will get better. Hopefully, you know what I really want for the Detroit Pistons? I don't want the number one pick. Dude, what the f- You know what I want as a Pistons fan? I don't want the number one pick. I don't want to win the draft lottery. I don't want to celebrate because we're going to get the hottest talent coming out of college. I don't want any of that, dude. Nothing. I want to be sitting at home on lottery night. Oh, Then the the lotteries tonight, that's what I want. I want to be hanging out with a Mai Tai on a raft in the saltwater pool going, oh, who'd the Pacers take first overall? Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, uh, uh, whatever. I don't want to have any concern with the draft lottery. It sucks they didn't get the first pick. I don't want that to even be a thought in my mind. Dude, we need, I'm so ready to move past the draft lottery. I've been watching the Celtics. He been watching Mavs warriors and it's bro. You hear those crowds at the Boston garden. You hear the crowds in San Francisco. You hear the crowd in Dallas. You hear the crowd in South beach. I don't want fans getting excited over the draft lottery. I want them to get excited. Cause we got game one of the first playoff series in LCA since Cade Cunningham laced them up. I want the first game seven. Of the Eastern Conference Finals Detroit's played since 2009, I want Mason on the horn. I want the flames, the toot, the Pistons steam whistle going. I want George Blaha half foot out the grave, fired up more than he's been since he was 30 years old, ready to call playoff Pistons basketball. I want Big Sean. I want Eminem. I want Dan Gilbert. I want... Everybody who's ever done anything from Detroit, sitting courtside, waving the fucking towel, Cade Cunningham name on their back, rooting on the Pistons, winning playoff games. That's what I want. I want to hear Mike Breen give a bang, Cunningham, oh my, bang. That's what I want. I just got goosebumps. Can you see this? I got goosebumps. I just got goosebumps. That's what I want. I don't want to hear about the draft lottery. I don't want to hear about if the ping pong ball would have just bounced this way. I don't want to hear any of that shit. I don't want it. I want playoff basketball. I want to be starting my summer seeing what the Pistons are going to do in the postseason. I want to turn on first take and see Stephen A. Smith debating. Kincaid Cunningham go toe-to-toe with Giannis? Is Sadiq Bay enough? Is Shadon Sharp enough? Are they enough complimentary pieces for Kate Cunningham to take out the Jason Tatum Boston Celtics this year? That's what I want. I want to see LCA with not an empty seat in the house. I want to turn on the ESPN broadcast and from the moment that shit starts, from the first Huggies commercial, goosebumps. That's what I want. I want people in Detroit To be fired up. I'm tired of reading about the Detroit Pistons. And if they add this guy. Or if they draft this kid. I don't want to hear about what if. Maybe this will happen. Oh, but if just that. I'm tired of that. I want it to be about what happens in game. I want Detroit Pistons narratives to be around the hardwood. Not the fucking ping pong machine. That's what I want. And it feels like it's been so long. And I watch these games and we had Cade Cunningham, Isaiah Stewart and Killian Hayes were in Boston the other night watching the Celtics and the heat. You don't think they want that shit too? That fires me up that they were there, dude. I mean, I'm getting this feeling. I got nothing to do with the Detroit Pistons. I sit on my couch and I turn these games on and they're fun to watch. It's entertaining. I like playoff basketball. And each and every single time I do it, my mind starts to wander And next thing you know, I'm sitting there like, damn, it would be so cool if Detroit was in these games. It'd be so cool to have Mike Breen calling a Detroit Pistons playoff game. It'd be so sick to hear what LCA would sound like if Cade Cunningham hit a game winner. That's what I start thinking about. And those guys just got a firsthand taste of what that's like at one of the most electrifying venues in sports, the TD Garden in Boston one of the most storied franchises, not only in the NBA, but in all of sports, with young stars like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown leading the way. They just saw it up close and personal. You don't think that's what they want? So I don't even care who the Pistons take in the draft this year. I don't care if we had the fifth pick or the 50th pick. I think Troy Weaver is the man to get it done. I know Cade Cunningham is. I think we got some pieces around him, and I know we'll add more. I'm tired of talking about the Detroit Pistons and draft lotteries and draft picks and this guy's skills transfer to the NBA and you pair him with Cade, maybe something. good. Done with it, dude. I'm done. I'm sick of it. I'm fed up. I want to start hearing about how Cade had 24, 11, and 10 and let us pass the Milwaukee Bucks in game two to even up the series. I want to hear about how Sadiq Bey went seven for nine from three and let us pass the Boston Celtics in game five in Boston. I want to hear about how Isaiah Stewart had an 18.16 rebound defensive master class and showed up against Bam Adebayo and the Miami Heat to give the Pistons a win. That's what I want. I want the playoffs. I want meaningful games. I want, more than anything in the world, Detroit basketball to be cool again. That's all I want. And I think most Pistons fans out there would say the same, because what else are we doing here? If that's not the end goal, if that's not your deepest burning desire as a fan, you're not here to watch him take shoot around. You're not a fan to hope that one clown holds up the Pistons logo out of the ping pong machine. That's not why we do it. That's not why we get fired up. That's not why I make the videos, the podcasts. It's not why I read. Oh, I want to see meaningful basketball. I want to be a part of it. I want to play a small little part of the Pistons being in meaningful moments, the Pistons being the talk of the NBA, the Pistons having all eyes on them. And I know, I've seen, I've heard, I've watched the videos of what what Detroit's like and what this fan base is like when things are going right. I've seen it and I want it. Again, I'm tired with the lottery. Give me the real thing. And just like the Pistons, Red Wings got boned a little bit in their draft lottery as well. Weren't tied for the first odds. Weren't expected to get the first pick. But it would have been nice. Your wife, you come home from the store, you didn't give me any flowers today. I don't – Was it it your birthday? I don't know why I didn't. Just would have been nice. We didn't need the first overall pick. Weren't expecting the first overall pick. Didn't even necessarily deserve the first overall pick. But it would have been nice Original six franchise, historic, all kinds of success. Would have been nice. It's been a few years. We took our time at the bottom. We paid our dues. Would have been nice. It Would have been nice. Nothing. And it's not the end of the world. It's not right. We still have Steve Eiserman. Mo Sider wasn't the first overall pick. Lucas Raymond wasn't the first overall pick. And it even looks like with getting that fourth pick in the Lucas draft, we may have hit a little bit of a jackpot. Granted. Alexi Lafreniere is playing in the Stanley Cup playoffs still. Lucas Raymond isn't, but time will tell. So far, so good. It's not great, and it is unfortunate that we seem to have this Detroit luck hanging over us. Pistons, Tigers, everybody. But if there's one thing to take away from today's episode, if there's one thing to take away from all the draft lotteries, from the playoffs carrying on without the Detroit Red Wings, the guy who built this Tampa Bay team that just murdered Florida, who, by the way, was an electric team. Florida was one of the best teams in the NHL. Those two teams, that series may have been the Stanley Cup final. The guy who built this team in Tampa, who's eyeing down their third straight Stanley Cup, third in a row. Do you know how difficult it is to do that? Do you know how absurd the fact that they're even close to doing that is? Three in a row? The guy who assembled that entire team, who built the blue line, who took those forwards, who picked out Vasilevsky, he's the guy running the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, it sucks that we're not in the playoffs. Yeah, it sucks Tampa's having all this fun. I mean, who's more pain than Steve Yzerman himself? He's the guy who built the goddamn team, and they're winning all the Stanley Cups right when he gets out of town. And right now, he's in Detroit vying for first overall picks. He's probably a little butthurt about it, I would assume. it would only be natural. If there's anything positive and anything good to come out of these playoffs and the Red Wings being down again, any like just thing to take away that's like, all right, that'll help me sleep at night. That isn't a drug you ingest through the mouth. It's the fact that Steve Iserman is the guy who built the Tampa Bay Lightning is the guy who is currently building the Detroit Red Wings. That's the thing to take away. That's the positive. That's it. That's all we have. And like we talked about with Troy Weaver earlier, how he seems to be the right guy. He's made all the right moves so far. Players talk about him like they have faith in him. Executives, people around the league seem to have a respect for him and admire his work. Steve Eiserman is that, if not more. And Steve Eiserman actually has some proof in his pudding. Steve Eiserman's team has already won two Stanley Cups in his time, Well, he wasn't the GM when they won them, but in his time building that team, that crop he created has won two Stanley Cups, I am three. There is something to be said for that. And I talked about it this year with the Red Wings, and I did a podcast, however many months ago, where I was pretty pissed. I was pissed at how the month of March went for the Red Wings, and then the month of April, where they were kind of good, right? At least for our standards, for what we've come to know the last seven years. The Red Wings were kind of hanging around. They were seven, eight, nine points behind Boston. Not necessarily nipping at the heels, but they were hanging around. They were keeping it interesting. They were on pace to play meaningful games in March and April. And then it just all fell apart. As quickly as it came together, that shit fell apart, hit the fan, hit the septic tank. It was a disaster in the month of March. And I was pretty upset. And I think rightfully so. Because they proved they could hang with good teams. They proved that they could beat good teams. They proved that they could do exactly what I wanted them to do. All I wanted them to do. Which was keep this thing interesting until the very end. Hang around until the very end. You don't need to make the playoffs. You don't even need to be that close to making the playoffs. But play good hockey. Win some games. Keep me interested until the very end. March rolled around. The wheels fell off. And that shit went to hell in a handbasket. And I was upset. Because they didn't play to what we had seen. Because yet another year, the month of March came, and it was like, all right, who cares about the Red Wings? I'm tired of that. I grew up with the Red Wings winning. I grew up every night, turn the Red Wings game on, yeah, they'll probably win tonight. I grew up going to school the next day, listening to the radio, what was the score? What was the score? Red Wings beat the Columbus Blue Jackets last night, three to one. That's what I grew up. I grew up, you fucking pencil in the playoff games every spring. That's. what I grew up with those teams. We all did. And to see them be so bad for so long, like I understand the cycles of sports. I understand everybody has to rebuild at some point. I get it. You make the playoffs twenty five straight years, you're gonna have a fucking bad spell at uh, eventually. You're trading away the farm system. You're trading away prospects and draft picks. Eventually, it's gonna catch up to you, and it did. But here we are, year seven. Year seven being out of the playoffs. Year seven not only being out of the playoffs, being one of the worst teams in hockey, not even really having a stone's throw at the playoffs. And I'm starting to get fed up. I am. And I don't know how you couldn't be, to be quite frank. But the one thing, the one thing when I do get angry, when I do sit here and go, man, we're going on year eight. Lucas Raymond and Sider were awesome. And we still were the seventh worst team in hockey. Is this ever going to get better? Dylan Larkin had a career year. Bertuzzi was great. We were still the seventh worst team in hockey. Is this ever going to get better? I turn on the playoffs. I watch Tampa Bay steamroll Florida N4. And then I remember the guy who orchestrated that, the guy who built this dynasty in Tampa, left that dynasty. Left it. Didn't get fired. Didn't get forced out. Willingly said, you know what? Detroit's my home. I want to win Stanley Cups. I do. I want to be a general manager and be great at it, but I want to do it in Detroit. He left the dynasty he had built before they had won anything. Damn well knowing they're going to have a lot more cracks at it once I'm gone and I'm in Detroit. He willingly left anyway to come to Detroit and try and recreate that exact thing, that exact dynasty, multiple, multiple Stanley Cup runs. He left Tampa to try and do that in Detroit. His crops came to fucking harvest. And he said, someone else can take it. I want to go do this somewhere else. I want to do this in Hockey Town. And it hasn't panned out yet. Slowly, we're growing. They're getting better. They're adding players. They added Cider and Raymond. They'll add more this year. They will be better this year. They will be more entertaining. They will be more competitive. LCA will be a more live atmosphere. Although I will say this. I think the most glaring improvement this season was the fact that it felt like every night the red wings were at home they were they were at home there was a home crowd lca felt filled up every night it felt loud every night it felt fucking impassioned every night it felt like every single person in every single seat there wanted to be there was bleeding red not dark red like your blood is actually colored but bright red like the red wings red it felt like momentum had started to build it felt like there was a buzz Around the wings, it felt like people were, oh, Saturday night, the Red Wings are in town. We should go catch a Wings game. They've been pretty good this year. They do some cool things. Larkin's electric. Raymond and Cider, these young guys, they're exciting. Let's go check out the Red Wings game. I will say that. While the wins and losses and the standing didn't improve so much, right? We're still talking about losing a draft lottery. That did feel like a tangible improvement that there was positive momentum within the fan base and within the city. And you have to believe that that translates to the organization. Now I'm still just a fan. I'm a regular dude. I was in Detroit for most of the hockey season this year and you could feel it there doing the podcast, putting out the TikToks. You could even feel it there. You can feel the fan base on the internet kind of getting excited, latching onto these young guys, latching onto the fact that, hey, you know what? We might not make the playoffs. We might not win a playoff series, but we're playing fun hockey again. It's cool to watch the Red Wings. We're beating some good teams again. We're in these games against Toronto, against Tampa, against Florida. That's fun. It did feel like they made improvements in that regard. They're bringing the fan base back. People are slowly like, okay, something's here. Something is growing. Something is in Detroit. The original six, Hockey Town, something, all right, it's coming back to us a little bit. And that is reassuring. Just like the Pistons, though. I'm tired of sitting on my couch and watching Steve Eiserman's former team win hockey games. I'm tired of seeing commercials of Sidney Crosby, tired of seeing Madison square garden look like the craziest venue in America. When the Rangers play a home game in the playoffs, it's cool. It's fun. I'm tired of it though. I'm tired of coming on and being sad that we didn't get the first round first overall pick and the rights to Shane, Wright. No pun intended. I'm tired of that, too. I'm ready for LCA to be sold out. I'm ready for Al the Octopus to drop down to center ice as the wings take the ice before game one of a playoff series. I'm ready for 15 octopi to be strewn across the ice there. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to see 18,500 people donning winged wheels at Little Caesars Arena screaming their guts out. 60 straight minutes of let's go Red Wings. I'm ready. I'm ready to be sitting on the floating pina colada, not even halfway concerned about the draft lottery or who the top prospects are. I'm ready. I'm ready to be done talking about who they might add or who Steve Eiserman may target for a trade. I'm ready for trades to happen. I'm ready for Prospects and pieces to be brought in. I'm ready for Berggren, for Edvinson, for Cosa to get there. Johansson, Soderblom, Niederbach. I'm ready for all those guys to make their way to Detroit. I'm ready for the cream to rise. I'm ready for Steve Eiserman to go. Eh, Matt Barzell, he might be available. Throw the hat in the ring. Eh, fuck it. Why not? I'm ready. Undrafted free agent? Yeah, we'll give him seven mil a year. I'm ready for Steve to put his nuts on the table and go. Fuck it, dude. I'm tired of being mediocre. I'm tired of waiting until the trade deadline to see if we're going to make the playoffs or not, and then selling off or buying. I'm ready for a season of we're winning. I'm ready for Dylan Larkin to say, I've been here seven fucking years, seen the playoffs one time, and that's when we were still at the Joe. I'm ready for him to go, fuck this. We're going to win. I got help now. You guys might even, I might be your help. Some of these guys, we're going to win now. This is it. Now is the time. Playoff hockey in Detroit the way it should be. You look around the league, Blackhawks fans, Rangers fans, anybody. The league's better when the Detroit Red Wings are in the mix. That's just a fact. I've said it time and time again, too. We play on the West Coast. We play up in Canada. We play down south. It doesn't matter. Half the arena every single night. Red Wings fans. It's one of the biggest brands in the game. Hockey's better when we're in the mix. Hockey Town is an animal like nothing they've ever seen. I'm ready. I'm done with the draft picks. I'm done with the lottery. I'm ready for Steve Eiserman to put it all on the table, make his moves, do what Steve does best. Da, 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 da. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. It's time. Don't get too down. If there's one thing, this Tampa team was assembled by the same guy sitting in Bloomfield Hills right now, watching game tape on some 19-year-old centerman from Finland that nobody's ever heard of. That's what I'm ready for. I'm ready for that kid to lift the Stanley Cup over his head at Little Caesars Arena. That's what I'm ready for. We'll get there, or at least I think we will. That's all I got today, folks. I appreciate everybody who listens. Subscribe, like, share, review, whatever, however you're listening, however you're watching. I appreciate it. Secondstring.com, check it out. We got t-shirts, sweatshirts. I always say it. Best brand in the world. Best sportswear brand in the world nothing else like it out there we'll be back next week once again we'll see what we we'll talk about might do the college football or uh yeah the college football show next week msu michigan might talk some angels baseball i've been going to a lot of angels games since i moved here i'll tell you what being in a winning ballpark mm, it's a fucking good time It's a good time. It makes me that much more angry. The Tigers are the Tigers. It's a fucking great time being there when good things happen and home runs and teams win. It's a good time. So we'll see what happens next week, but we will be back. I appreciate the support, the love, everybody who follows along. We'll see you next week.